Tim, season three, episode 19 of Stats of Matter. We're about just halfway through the NFL season. Uh, we got some thoughts about what the second half has in store for us in our cups this week. I tried to pull a fast one on you because I'm tired of you pulling out the big ticket items. I'm tired of coming up to this podcast. Oh, what's in my cup? We're, we're a podcast for the people. We want beers that people can find. Mm-hmm. And you just pulling out fucking whales. So I went and got this double dry hopped triple IPA from Monkish. And then you just equaled me at the table. Like, this is like a scene in like Casino Royale where like you're Le Chief and I'm obviously James Bond. And I'm just trying to be like, I deserve respect at the table. And you're like, you don't even know what you're talking about beer wise. Like, I got one of these just chilling, ready um, for you. Um, I'm, I'm so sad that we didn't catch that in original real time reaction. Yeah. Because yeah. it was it was quite amazing. So I jumped yeah. into this uh this it's video deep. chat and uh Sam goes, oh, oh, what's in my glass? Yeah, that's exactly not what I sounded like, Tim. You're, you're making it sound like I had a bodily reaction. <laughs> you, I think you did. You were a little excited. Uh, rightfully so. Fucking pissed is more like it. But the, anyways. Uh, and then I and then I, and then I flashed him with the, with the same icon on his can. But. Podcast for the people. Let's just, let's just keep it clean where we can, all right? <laughs> anyways, a double IPA you got from Monkish. It's the Monkish Hour. Follow us on Instagram at Stats and Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things sports and beer. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show and let's go. It's a monkish party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I got to be honest, man. Like if you ever get a chance to get some monkish in your life, you need it. Mm. You really do. Uh, they are a fantastic brewery. Um I think arguably some of the best hazies on the West Coast, arguably some of the best hazies in the country. Um, if you don't like beers that smell or taste like bong water, as far as how hoppy they are, you're probably not going to like them. <laughs> I don't know right? if I've ever had bong water, but me neither. What does that but I like? just assume, I, I just assume after having a couple of these, just, you know, it smells like sticks and stems. Not that I would know what that smells like, but, uh, you know, it's very clear that there are just some breweries that just push it, push it to the limit. As one old Ricky Ross would say, and uh, Monkish is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've had actually had a chance to go to one of their breweries before uh, when I was in Los Angeles for work, but it was weird. It was like a Monday, and like I thought, like the line would be out the door, but like they were just selling beer to go hmm. in cans and then in glass bottles, and I really respected that. I was like, damn, that's pretty fun, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I acquired mine in a different fashion via Peter Stark, but tell me about yours. Uh, mine is called uh, the 405 Exit 38B mm-hmm. and 10%. It's going to be pretty good. Um, again, you, you know how, like I've said, sometimes like you can just, you, you know when you smell a certain beer, like where mm-hmm. it came from, right? Whether or not you've been to the actual brewery, you can you can smell the grain. Like when you crack a substance, for example, from Bissell Brothers, you know exactly that it's a subby because it just has that smell. Like once you once you smell that, it just kind of sticks with you. It's in the back of your brain. Yeah. Whenever you crack a monkish beer, hoppiness out the wazoo is just what you're gonna get. It's just really good. Um, just mostly opaque. Looks like uh, some thick pineapple juice here, but. Uh, I, I also got some monkish beers from the beer store. And then this football Sunday, <laughs> I was like, I got a four pack. The objective is to not drink the four pack. And the football game was going pretty good for me, uh, which we'll get into with my picks here. So I was just like, shit. Next thing I know, I was on the third of the four monkish beers. Hmm. And three of them 
had been double dry hop, double IPAs. And I was like, yo, your boy needs to slow down. Um, and I was like, oh shit, I got to leave the last one for the, for the pod. Cause I thought I'd pull one out on you here. But, uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh yeah. Um, one thing I think that they do actually really well is they don't hide the bitterness from you. You know, this is a triple IPA. You know the bitter's coming. But the thing I, I appreciate the most about it is the way that when you have the beer, kind of takes you down this path. And then at the end, there's this thing. Like you're expecting it. Uh, 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 there it is. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's almost like a confirmation bias. So you look at it, you're like, wow, that's super hazy. 10%. It's probably going to probably going to smack me in the face a little bit. Then you start sipping it. And you're like, that's actually not too bad. Oh, fuck. There it is. <laughs> it's like one of those, like just comes around and just catches you when you're not even thinking about it. So that's actually really good. This is a four, four going in the books as such. Uh, probably one of the better triples. I think I've, I've had period. Wow. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because you're starting to see a lot of the, what I call OG, New England style IPA factories start making the rounds on on more of the the Facebook groups again. Uh, whiskey had its had its time in the in the sun for the last probably year year and a half. And you're kind of seeing this this transition back to beers in a lot of these places. Um, I haven't had Monkish in a very very long time, so this was a cool little surprise to see it show up on my uh, unannounced on my doorstep. Uh, but <clears throat> I have one called uh, Foggy Window, and uh, it's one I actually have not had before. I've had quite a few of theirs. I, you know, back when it was Monkish and Other Half and uh, Treehouse and Trillium and all those. This this one was making the rounds, and I never had a chance to get it. But uh, it's an Imperial Double IPA uh, made with uh, Nelson Galaxy, a little extra Citra. Can art, so it's really cool on these. It was tend to be to to Sam's point, um, like this one in particular. Foggy windows isn't uh, because of a temperature variation inside yeah. and outside of the car. Uh, it has to do with <clears throat> hot boxing, hot boxing, and it's this cool little icon of a, a VW with smoke pouring out of it, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But let's give it a go. Uh, Boys off for a couple of days. I got a wedding coming up this weekend, so I'm in. I'm in a combination of that vacation mode, but also scrambling to put my house together because we've got people coming to stay over. Right. That little, that little panic. Nothing. Nothing sets an ADD mind into cleaning mode like last minute panic of visitors. Oh, oh yeah, same thing. Like if, if we're gonna go, um, if we're gonna go on like a trip or something, and we're not gonna take the dog with us. You know, like we're gonna fly out like the next day. Like it could be like an eight a.m. flight, it could be a six a.m. flight, it could be a two p.m. flight. Like the night before, drinking hazies, doing laundry, cleaning yeah. up the house. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, if someone, if someone comes to your house, you just want them to think when they walk in, fuck, this is a nice house. I wish I lived here. And yep. then the last thing you want them thinking is, wow, look how dirty those countertops are. Hmm. That is like a, that is like an adult thing. When you get a house, you care about shit like this. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's, I think it's more, you know, responsible adulting. Um, uh, whatever. <laughs> but. In any event, uh, yeah, so yeah. when we're done with this, I'll probably continue some of the tidying and then throughout the day tomorrow before I have to jump, jump ship. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Photo for Interesting. 
Interstellar, that's right. I always get the photo in. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, it's got kind of this, like, muted but bitter taste, if that makes sense. Like, if I could describe it, it would almost be, um, like, mildly watered down, if that makes sense, where it's not, like... Traditionally, and, and this is part of the problem you run into when you uh, have beers shipped to you, is that you never know what the temperature variations sometimes are, right? If it's sat on a tarmac inside a loading dock at 85 degrees and that beer suffers like rapid temperature change, then that's going to throw off some of the flavor. So I was trying to take these with a little bit of a grain of salt, but this one definitely has a... Uh, it's like... Right off the bat, you get a little, you get like a touch of sweetness, and then it's almost like watered down, and then it hits you with like a little bit of bitterness. It's kind of, I think it's being described as extra citra. That's probably what the extra citra is bringing to the table, that back-end citrus finish to it. It's not bad. It's not the best monkish I've ever had. Uh, it lands somewhere between like, it, it's New England in like look and like mouthfeel. Taste-wise, I'd say it has like a more citrusy West Coast style IPA finish. So I'm gonna give it a uh, I'm gonna give it a three nine actually. Hmm. I had another one that came in the box that was uh, B Boy B Boy Apostle. Yeah. That was another one that I wasn't like blown away by. So I almost wonder if these may have kind of hit some sort of temperature gradient that kind of screwed with things a little bit. But that question for you, yeah. When you get them, do you put them immediately in the fridge and do you store them upright or upside down? I mean, I always go in the fridge, but I don't really... Like, these are all stored on the side. Because uh, I got a little... You know where your little deli drawer is? We have a little yeah. partition, and on the left mm -hmm. side of that partition, I lay them flat. That's actually pretty smart. Yeah. That way, uh, I mean, the I never have, like, a... I don't have a ton of beer in the fridge at any point now, so, like... If it's not in that little drawer, there are beers that were left over from when we had people over or beers we came upon some way or another. Like my top shelf that has a couple beers on it, they're all random ones I haven't touched in, in months. But all the like rotating, I'm buying a four pack, they go right down in a little deli drawer off to hmm. the side. Yeah. Hopefully the wife doesn't uh, hear me <coughs> say I'm going to do this. But uh, <laughs> what, what I like to do is usually, you know, should the beer store pay me a little visit? I take them out uh, of the, the swaddle, if you will. And then I, I always put them upside down. And then if I know that I'm going to have it, about 20 minutes before I decide to have it, I will flip it back over. Just because sometimes you get some hop sediment. Like you mentioned, if, if, it, if it's in a can and something happens like that, that's just what I do. But I don't know if that's like um, just a, a Jedi mind trick and it actually works or not. I'm not really sure about that. I've not done empirical evidence to back that up. So, yeah, you know. We don't get monkish very often out here, except when we get it sometimes on draft uh, in DC. So uh, they've, they've done a lot of collabs with like other half because we got other mm -hmm. half in DC. So try and get some of those here in the future. But uh, oh, you do right. That's good to know. Uh, I'm going to be making a trip to to maybe we got to see how we got to see how the wife feels. But uh, we're going to be looking for some stuff to do Thursday and, and Friday morning before the wedding, and we might make a trip out to Deerfield which is one of the new landing spots for um, Treehouse. Mm. So that'll be fun. Very nice. 
Very, very nice. Well, Tim, let's get into these picks here. Um, uh, yeah. You went one for three. I went three for three. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get this one right out of the way. Seahawks Giants. You know, going back to last episode, you thought that the Giants were going to win. And you mentioned the tight end. You mentioned, you know, the run game, all that other stuff. And I said, look, why have one tight end when you can have three like the Seahawks? You talk about defense, but, you know, there's some injuries on, on both sides. But, you know, I will say. After watching this game, and maybe perhaps it was the three, you know, monkish uh, double IPAs that definitely got me feeling on another planet. But uh, I have finally made peace with the fact that the Seahawks of old are gone. And this is a new look Seahawks team. It feels different, even though Pete Carroll is the same that he's always been. DK, Tyler, their holdovers from a previous, you know, uh, version of this team. But like the Seahawks are good. Hmm. They, they stumbled a little bit out of the blocks. And I'm not even taking away from the Giants, like, because you could look at this game objectively and you could say, well, two offensive tackles that the Giants didn't have. Run game couldn't get going. Made it a lot easier for the defense. Seattle racked up five sacks in this game. Couple couple picks, but on special teams, the Seahawks were far and above the better team. And that is a a thing that I think a Pete Carroll coach team does really, really well. Those Mm -hmm. games are crucial when the special teams can force a turnover, when you win the turnover battle. If you ever listen to anything Pete Carroll says, he's big about turnover battle. They won the turnover battle even after Tyler Lockett coughed it up at like the two-yard line, you know, while taking it out off of a, a kickoff. And then Saquon scored his only touchdown. But we were <laughs> watching the game, and I was watching with a friend uh, who's a Giants fan in Texas, some other Giants fans, and I was like, look, like Saquon's going to get a touchdown, but he's also going to get like 60 yards. And that's kind of what happened. There was like 50-some-odd total yards for Saquon, he got the touchdown but because we set him up on the two-yard line. I think it's a fantastic character win for the Seahawks. If you watch the game, you notice that Tyler Lockett had a drop. The dude practically never drops anything. Uh, DK was rumored does not you know play, but he's out there playing, and Deacon deep, you know, DB's out of their shoes. It was, a, it was a very, very nice win for the Seahawks to get back on track. And now the Seahawks are top of the NFC West division. They've been there for two weeks in a row. You're seeing what's happening with like Denver, and you're sort of like, all right, I am cool with how this book used to read, but I am very glad about where we're going with this team in the future. I, I would pick this game Seahawks against Giants 10 out of 10 times. There's mm-hmm. an infographic that's out there that said if the postseason started today, the Giants would come back to Seattle. It's very hard to beat a team two, three, four times in a in a season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would still feel good if the Giants came back to Seattle, that you know Seattle could win that game. And I went into the season not believing so. You were like, oh, Gino's your guy. And I was like, no, Gino's not my guy. I want it to be Drew Locke. And now I'm just sort of like, all right, you know, eat that crow. Yeah, I, I've been kind of big on um, the New York. I mean, not just me, but I think everyone's kind of been big on these New York teams that have kind of created their own little resurgence. But this is kind of an interesting game where the Seahawks defense definitely stepped up in the at the same time that the offensive line for New York just crumbled. He got sacked five times. He was constantly under pressure, uh, only made 17 completions. So this is one of those games, if you're a Daniel Jones hater, you could use this as as fuel for that fire to say, oh, well, this is why. But, I mean, overall, you you can't argue with a 6-2 and season. I think this is just, you know, the Seahawks kind of, Back to what they were looking like at the start of the season, where you were like, "Oh shit!" You know, they might really kind of fuck around here and, and and make an impact on the league. Um, 
I don't know. It was still kind of a, a, a slow, boring game until the very tail end of it when there was some some explosive plays that kind of came yep. out of it. But, um, I mean, neither quarterback really stuck out as anything like, you know, worth writing home about. Uh, you know, Geno Smith, who has been perfectly serviceable and has looked good at times, still only needed 212 yards to, to get the job done. This is definitely one that was focused a little bit more around, you know, scheming and, and, and run looks and overall it's, I mean, you can't complain. He's, he's finding ways to get it done, but uh, I think this just happened to be uh, a massive collapse on the offensive line and just Daniel Jones constantly under pressure for this one. But I still would, if, if you had to put these teams up against each other 10 times, I'm probably taking the giants nine out of those 10 times. At least I think they're just when Daniel Jones is playing good football, I think he's just potentially a better team. Um, I, but, I hate to tell you this, but he was the NFC player of the week. I know. You know what I mean? He was nominated for that in a loss. So, yeah. you know, it, you, what, what you're saying is not just a hot take. Like, you know, other people have watched the game and just said that, yeah, you know, that, that loss wasn't on him, basically. You know, yeah. and the special teams coughs it up a couple of times. But, I mean, now, what like what you said about um, Seattle beating the Chargers, you're like, that's not a great win. Yeah, I got to be honest. Now I'm looking at that win and I'm going – well, they put up a ton of points in that one, and the Giants were able to keep it kind of close until the dam broke at the end. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, I mean, it, it's tough to say what you're going to get out of Geno Smith as the season goes on. I mean, he was not a starter to, to you know, in any stretch going into this, but to make a little bit of a name for himself, and, and they're finding ways to get some of these games done. I mean, they have a, a five and three record. Like, there are plenty of teams in the league right now who would die for a five yeah. and three record. There are yep. several teams yeah, who are well below yeah. that. So, um, is what it is. I mean, strength of schedule is one of those that you, you kind of take into consideration with some of these teams, but at the same time, you can't really, you know, is what it is. They've lost to some pretty bad teams this year, but they put points up and beaten some pretty good teams. So you never really know what you're going to get out of the Seahawks from week to week. It's going to be fucking wild when they go to Germany and play the Buccaneers in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> I think we know who I'll be picking in that game. Uh, and yeah. speaking of the Bucs, they, that was my other pick against the Ravens on Thursday night. Um, I, I don't want to say that uh, someone's personal life ever has something to do with things. But if you remember in 2015, when the, when the Panthers, the season that Cam Newton won MVP, they were 15 and one. And the one game that they lost coincided, I believe, with the week that he had his, had, had his son. I mean, like life happens, right? Like you're a yep. football player, but life happens. You're a, you're, you're a man, you're out there, you're doing your thing. And like, sometimes you just, you just don't have it. Right. Yep. And the Buccaneers in this game, this is kind of right on the heels of all this divorce drama uh, yep. between Tom Brady and Giselle. And, and we don't need to go into that super, you know, super deep, but like he clearly looked like a little exhausted to, to, to me on the broadcast. Like there's still some offensive dysfunction, like, they finished the first quarter seven points up on the Ravens. You're thinking, oh shit, here we go. Maybe yeah. they've they, maybe they've gotten out of the funk. And then they proceeded to not score a single point for a half of football. For the second and third quarter, they didn't score a single point. And then they led down to fourth quarter, them trying to come back. They put another 12 points on the board. Had they gotten the onside kick, who knows what, you know, it it, it could have been something, right? Could have been a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for Tom Brady in the fact that. He is one of the, the greatest NFL football players, right? 
mm-hmm. this is just going to this is going to be just like an asterisk. But this eat this loss is we're going to eat away at him because there's probably plenty of things they could have fixed. But like divorce just is not good for all parties involved. You know what I mean? Like the kids definitely, you know, are the ones who suffer the most. And like, I, I got into it with someone the other day talking about this. I'm like, yo, I feel really bad for Tom Brady's kids. I might not like Tom Brady and all his antics or whatever, but like Tom Brady's kids hopefully heard about this divorce from their parents, right. not TMZ. Right. Right. But I, I doubt it. Right. And now the fact that like my parents' divorces are not on Google news, right. But Tom Brady's kids are. Yeah, and it's always going to be something that's just going to be just shit. And people are going to go back, probably like me, and just say, "Oh, well, this is the game they lost. They could have won, but him and Giselle got divorced that week, so that's why they didn't win the game." And it's like, no, there's a lot more that goes into it. But it's just sort of like football has clearly been the driving factor in Brady's life, and I don't really know like what to say about it other than just like you're the greatest quarterback of all time. You have seven Super Bowls. You can take a week off. Yeah, and I think, I mean, agreed. I don't know if I want to go down. I, it's not our business to go down the path of, like, what it is, and it's already been beaten mm. to death and whatnot. But there's there's no way that that's not a factor. And I think when you yeah. look at the makeup of that team and you see that there's, it's just not a very well-put-together team, right? Like, the, every, a lot of the players who are there are teams that were kind of floundering on the teams that they came from and found success last year. And our, you know, we expected to have those same fireworks going into this year. Except, you know, I've I've said it the last two weeks. We're out of Gron- there's no Gronkowski on that team, so he has no in route. He has no <clears throat> he has nobody he can rely on throwing it to the middle. Now, there are a ton of situations in this game that were not his fault. Like there was yeah. A bunch of drops. There was some like really good passes that were made in this game that should have been completions, touchdowns, and they just weren't or touchdowns. I mean, they were taken. There was one taken away from penalty too. Yeah, I mean, he threw for three hundred and twenty-five yards in a loss and got beat by Lamar Jackson, who had two hundred thirty-eight yards and only two touchdowns. Like that was the difference between the two. Brady had one, Lamar had two. It was just the running game is what it is. I feel like. Because they're because they don't have all the offensive weapons on the receiving side, they just keep trying to force this Leonard Fournette thing to happen, and it's just not happening. Like every now and again, he breaks out a good run, or if it's like a goal line, you know, short yardage, he he tends to do okay. But for the most part, he just doesn't look great. He had nine carries, he only had twenty four yards, and some of those yards were just ugly, ugly yards. So. I know we got the touchdown, short yardage. Again, they can kind of rely on them to punch that through as they need to. But anytime you're looking to move that downfield, it's by comparison, Rashad White had like four carries and 19 yards, right? Like that's still, that's not a lot. But if you're looking at percentage wise and, and efficiency, that's clearly and a lot more efficiency if, if you're trying to figure out who you're going to, to go with. Evans is still doing Evan things, but even he had, some pretty big drops and like you kind of start to feel for some of the frustration in Tom Brady. It's like, how much more can he ask the guy to do, right? Like he's going through this turmoil at home and now he's got to deal with, you know, a lot of adversity on the field and everyone's going to be trying to draw comparisons between those through. And then his age on top of it, at at some point you got to feel like he's just going to look at the situation, just be like, what the fuck? Why, why, why am I continuing to do this to myself? 
and I'm glad you brought that up. He caught a lot of heat for saying that getting back into football sometimes feels like going on deployment. And oh my fucking God, did the vet bros on social media lose their goddamn minds. Listen, I can't even believe I'm saying this, Tim. Okay. Yeah. I've already, I've already, I've already admitted to him being the greatest football player of all time. <laughs> Right. He's obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. He's going to put himself in a pantheon that probably no one else is going to reach. <laughs> I've I have spent time overseas. Right. Yeah. And I know people who have gone four or five, six times. Yep. And what they say. And this is a small sample size. But when that when the plane door opens and you smell the country that you're in, you're just like, oh, fuck, here we go again. Yeah. You just you almost resign yourself to just like think for a second, like. Wow, I know exactly what's going to happen for the next 18 months of my life. Yep. It's not going to change. And I'm doing this again. And then yep. you start to question and you think to yourself a little bit like, wow, like is this is the juice really worth the squeeze? I do think that the way he said it was taken way out of jest and out yes, of context. I agree. But I also think he probably could have just been like, I feel sometimes like. I feel like it reminds me of instead of saying playing football is like yeah deployment. and, you know and I, mean? I agree i think that was one of those that was like just taken so far out of context what he meant was from the start of preseason until the end of the postseason which unfortunately if you're tom brady is a consideration every season you play is you have to it's factor six months in those, out of the year every yeah, year and you are gone like you are gone gone and he's done that for 20 plus years right and you know not I'm I'm not knocking any service members or anybody like that, but there's like this romanticizing of what it is to be in the service and to be deployed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, any I comparison that's drawn between the two is you know, and and again this is stereotyping, but it tends to be stereotypically a lot of uh, service members tend to use terminologies like snowflakes and and whatnot. But then to get so upset at a guy who's like, listen, for six months out of the year, I don't see my family at all. I risk bodily injury sure he's getting paid you know millions and millions of dollars but anytime he fails he has a whole country you know wishing his demise that how many people when he announced his divorce were like semi celebrating it there's a there's or, a drastic difference or worse yeah Giselle hit me up you know what I mean like, yeah like it's, it's just there's a lot it, of that out there it's, it's a different it's a it, it, it takes a special kind of mentality to say you know what i will forever live my life in the public eye and continue to do it now is that the same as putting yourself on the front line in afghanistan iraq clearly no clearly not. obviously it's not it's just a different kind of distress you are putting yourself under while also risking permanent and long-term injury while playing the sport we saw what happened For with sure. tua and everyone was saying like hey man maybe he should hang it up and this is what his third year Right, and, it, and remember, it, I said he's gonna throw he's gonna throw a football again this season, and here we are, a couple weeks yeah. later. So I mean, as soon as as soon as the hype died down enough, you know, people, and, that, and that's the problem. People yeah. will just get super upset about these things, and they'll just get, oh, I want to be mad about something. And it's like, all right, dude, you can, yeah, people, you write people an open this, letter. People at this point are just like looking for reasons to to be upset and looking for people. I mean, specifically against Tom Brady. I got an argument with some, not an argument. I got in a conversation with someone at work the other day when they're like, Tom Brady and his arrogance. I'm like. Can you give me an example of a moment where he was actually arrogant or is this something you're saying because you are not a Tom Brady fan and that's been the narrative that's been driven? And I have not yet found a person who has been able to pinpoint a moment where they were like, that is a moment of arrogance. Like, I'm, if you, I'm, I'm here for it. If we can discover one of those things or 
or or pinpoint a moment where maybe that was the case. I just think it's one of those where he's kind of been semi-private. He was on a team that was notorious for keeping to themselves. And then, you know, now he's been given space to let his, you know, peacock tail flap in the wind. And now everyone's just bothered by it. And yeah, sure, could he have said it was compared to anything else? But I think everybody knew exactly what he meant when he said it if you weren't looking for a reason to be too upset like you're away from your family you're risking injury it takes a toll and it the man literally lost his beautiful yeah supermodel girlfriend because he chose work over family and it, there's there's I mean, this is probably not the only factor that went into this no we, right He's very private. You had no insight into either of their family life. The speculation that Antonio Brown was part of the reason is just bullshit oh, nonsense. God. And it's just just another example about but... how disinformation works in our in our country today. Yeah, <laughs> do we believe that shit? And no, trolls, I, I, I hear trolls. You on that. Yeah. The celebration of trolls is one of the worst aspects of American life, in my opinion. Well, now, hey, they got to pay eight dollars a month in order to be trolls on on Twitter if they want yeah. by 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 you know King Elon. So I don't yeah, yeah. I don't I don't mind it. But uh, okay, we we won't we won't belabor that point anymore. You pick. Bears and Bears Cowboys and the Bears yeah. got that ass beat they thoroughly. Show thoroughly. So but tell me about that. Yeah, what's funny about this one? So I thought there was going to be like a little bit of a of a of a ease in period for Dak getting back into the swing of things, coming off of you know the success they've had with Rush. I thought there may be some some growing periods after missing so many in it. And there, I'd love to say that there there wasn't. I think the game is a little deceiving in terms of how it turned out versus what it actually looked like in terms of the eye test. Chicago clearly just didn't do what they needed to do. It was a, it was a high scoring game. It was 49-29. But if you look at the numbers, Justin Fields had a better rating than Dak Prescott did on the day. Dak was 21 to 27, 250 yards. He had the two touchdowns, but he did throw an interception. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown on top of those two, which kind of helped in the on, on the scoring wise. But Justin Fields also had two touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown, and he was seventeen to twenty three for one hundred and fifty one yards. So, while granted he was a hundred yards shorter, he was a little bit more efficient. Um, but it was one of those that like, I think this was just a complete collapse on the defensive side of the ball for Chicago. And I think it kind of shows a little bit what their makeup is. They're super inconsistent. They're three and five team. Every now and again, they kind of show a little flash in the pan, and you think, okay, maybe they might make some moves coming out. Uh, this is one of those games where you thought, okay, this is a chance. They didn't score in the first. They scored seventeen points uh, in the, the the second quarter, and you thought, oh shit, here we go. We got a we got a little bit of a football game, and then. You know, they failed to convert. They ended up with just six, uh, two field goals in both the third and the fourth quarter. So it, it, it's really tough. I, you know, I think the Cowboys are a good team. They're a 6-2 and two team. I thought from the beginning that they had a lot of potential. I thought last season I was really banking on them with some of the success, the success that they were having. And now the big conversation is do you go with Pollard or um, – uh, yeah, do you keep going with Zeke? And, that's the question, right? Yeah. And uh, shout out to Tamina Kimes on uh, First Take on ESPN the other day. 
she had a really good breakdown of how this should be measured up, and there really is no clear yes, contest. No contest. If, you're, if you're looking at it strictly from an efficiency standpoint and how many attempts and carries versus what their production is, Pollard is ahead by like a large margin in literally every category that they have. Now, I know Zeke has been Mr. Reliable, and he's missed, what, only two games in his entire career. Both of them are these last two. It's, I mean, every now and again, something like this happens. Pollard had 131 yards on 14 attempts, and he had three touchdowns. Like, that's that's the reason they won the game. They have Dude, this guy they injected. Yeah. So, monster. It's a breakout game. game. Yeah, it's a breakout game. It is what it is. In this, in this event, like, Chicago tried to stay in it, but anytime you have someone who has a breakout game like that, there's really just no, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing. You I can just want to say it, so. shout out to Mina Kimes, founding member of Seahawks Twitter, mm. Seattle fan for life. She, her analysis is so crazy good. Plus the way that she owns people on Twitter when they just come at her <laughs> with like racist or like sexist shit is unbelievable. Yep. Like it's just, it's so good. Shout out Mina Kimes. All right, uh, you got two ins. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. Oh no, we both had the the Giants Seahawks. So we'll jump to my last one. It was Packers Do Bills. It. What what did you think about this? Because I watched the game and there was this there was a spot of time where I thought, oh shit, this this might happen. Um, very very sh- very short amount of time before it got out of hand. But no, I have like no confidence in the Packers. I mean, not not to mention that back to back weeks they blew up some DraftKings parlays for me. In a major way, major, and like major it, way, and like adult, you just keep going back to him, thinking well, that the answer is well, going to be different. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's Aaron Rodgers, it's the Packers. Still, you would think against some of the opponents that they've played against, uh, they'd probably squeak some of those out, and they didn't. I mean, to be fair, one of them was uh, a tough loss when they were playing overseas. That one was actually pretty close. I mean, it was came down to the wire, um, but that's that hasn't. Like they lost to the Commanders. I mean, they're on a, a four loss streak right now. They've they lost to the Giants and the Jets, which we've already said are, are two pretty good teams. The Commanders, I don't know how you lose to a team like that. And then the Bills. So the three big New York Giants that we were talking about, uh, you know, it's that's a tough schedule to try and match up against the way those guys are playing. They beat Tampa, they beat New England, uh, and they beat the Bears back to back. So it's. I don't know. I just don't feel like this is a team that I would try. I mean, this is, in my opinion, this is a team that's clearly going to miss the playoffs, right? I know this is, we yeah. we, we, we are going to talk about this a little bit later, and this isn't one of the teams that I picked, but they're clearly going to miss the playoffs, in my opinion, unless they made a move, which they really didn't. Uh, and then I have to wonder, like, if, if Aaron Rodgers is in the same boat, I think Aaron Rodgers is just continuing to hold on now just to kind of outlast and outplay some of Tom Brady's better moments. But unless he's going to go to another team, if this is the kind of season that they have to be looking forward to, like this is the worst season they've had in like a very, very, very long time. You go 13 and three, 13 and three, 13 and three. If you think you're going to go 12 and four, 11 and five, or, you know, 10 and six, like, you clearly missed the point. There are key members yep. of that franchise that are no longer there. Zadarius yep. Smith, right? Yep. Uh, and the defense is not the same. That Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, like the offense is not the same. It's just like, damn, dude. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, this has been part of the conversation for this team is their, you know, where they're allotting money and a lot of their money that they allotted was towards Aaron Rodgers, but not a lot of a supporting cast. They let some of his biggest targets go. Aaron Jones has stepped up to fill a lot of that that gap in in in, in this game he did. He had 143 yards, but he didn't score once. He had no touchdowns this entire game. So those those yards are great, but unless you're converting those to points at the end of all of that, it's you know what what's what's the point of all of it? Um, versus some of the teams he's going up against, who have guys who are young on you know a lot of them are making a lot of money, but they're spending money to bring in folks to to help complement the quality of quarterback that's there. I think we're starting to see some of the same thing with like Kansas City, where you have this stud quarterback who's getting paid so much money. These guys who have found success around him have started to like move on to other teams. And you're starting to see some some chinks in the armor for Kansas City. Like if Travis Kelsey were to leave that team, that is a drastically different looking team. If he were to flip, let's say he left and he joined Tampa. I know him and Gronk are close. They've been all over social media together as of late. Imagine if he jumped ship and went to Tampa. Tampa would immediately become a Super Bowl favorite. It's not very good to have like close in and out. And I, I think it would continue, not the regression, because I think Mahomes is always great, but sometimes... The quality of his play, and the 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 surprise plays, and and how good he looks, piggybacks a little bit off of the quality of the players that are around him who were able to capitalize and and make yeah plays like that. So I I, I think it's fair. We talked about it. How you know Devonte is the glue that sort of keeps the offense sort of rolling and together, right? And I and I think there are players like that on a team, like you mentioned with Gronk. The tight end position has been super undervalued and now we have yep. a dearth of talent at that position right andrews kelsey Kronk. i mean even kittle kittle was like hyped this year and like that it just hasn't panned out right and that's been injury and, and scheme and other things but there just is like it, it really is a a do-it-all position i'm gonna block two downs i'm gonna knock your face off two downs and then i'm gonna yep. you know you know go out wide and, and just catch like a 21 yard you know wheel route and then just try and set up the team for a touchdown like it it is a revolutionary change of the position. Yep. Speaking okay. of revolutionary changes of positions, I did boohoo the Colts for mm-hmm. sending Matt Ryan to the bench and saying Sam Ellinger was the quarterback of the future. Uh, and I I went bold and I said the Commanders are going to win this game against the Colts. And the Commanders did win this game against the Colts, seventeen sixteen in the fourth quarter. They let Scary Terry McLaurin just go up and grab what was an interception. Let's just be clear about that. Watch the highlight. It was an interception that Sam Ellinger threw. Oh, no, sorry, not Sam Ellinger. Taylor Heineke threw right to, um, my goodness, the quarterback. He used to be on the on the Patriots. Why am I Why am I spacing on his name? He was he was a defensive player of the year. God. Uh, You're supposed to know this, Tim. It was your team. God damn. Bobby McCain or David? No, 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 no. Cornerback, cornerback. Uh, anyways, just grabbed it right from him. Just absolutely grabbed it from him. Oh, Stephen Gilmore. That's what oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't uh, watch. I didn't watch the game. It was a super oh. crazy highlight play. He caught the, pe- you know, at the one yard line practically, and then Heineke punched it in for a rushing touchdown. 17-16, win the game for McLaurin. Homecoming game for him because he's from Indianapolis. Look, the Commanders have a lot of shit going on, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. But like, uh, clearly, Ron Rivera is getting something out of that team. And the Colts are just so dysfunctional. And the Colts actually during the trade deadline, which we're gonna we will talk about here next in this segment. But like the Colts are just like, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's it. 
and so is Deion Jackson. So like pass catching running backs like you know Naheem Hines, who have two targets for thirty yards, averaging fifteen yards a target. Nah, you know what? We're good. We don't need him. I think Shaquille okay. Leonard was actually credited for that uh, the interception. I don't think it was Gilmore. No, it was it was Gilmore on. Um, hey, watch the clip. Are you watching the clip? No, I'm looking at Pro Football Reference, in which uh, Stephon Gilmore has zero interceptions on the day. Correct, because McLaurin took the interception from him. It was going to be one. Oh, and then he, just, yeah, yeah. Okay. he just mossed it. He just grabbed it from him. It was yeah, like a grown okay. man. It was a grown man catch and play. That, that ah, was sorry, I misunderstood. Sorry. That, this this is the thing. The Commanders are not going to win a lot of games this year, but the no. Commanders are four and four at the moment, and the Colts are three, four, and one. Right, and the and the Colts could have gone four, three, and one, and kept themselves alive you know hypothetically in a postseason but like not to say they're toast but they're toast like uh, that was that was something so tim you only got one pick right this week i did very bad very bad pick week for you i got three Uh all time you had seven we give you one the math says and the google machine says that's eight i had six i got three right this week i'm at nine nine is greater than eight according to math good at that so i mean Ipso facto, stop the count. Season's over. <laughs> <laughs> I get the I, I I get the prize that we that we discussed. Uh, all right, let's talk about this this NFL trade extravaganza here. Ten trades on the NFL trade deadline. Um, quite a momentous day. Some teams definitely got a lot better. Give me a team that you think got extremely better during the trade deadline. Uh <clears throat> So, I feel like, te- I mean, there's there's stuff obviously leading up to the trade, like the Christian McCaffrey, like those moves I think were all clearly good moves, but uh, I think the Dolphins and the addition of Bradley Chubb might be one of the better ones. That offense yeah. has been firing on all cylinders when Tua is behind center. And to shore up your defense with a, an edge rusher like Chubb is, I think, I mean, I think that was a really, really smart move on their end. Um, you got Hill. I mean, they, they're, they've got enough offensive weapons right now to maintain a threat without having to really add a lot to it. Uh, and I think shoring up the defensive side is, like, for the for that team itself, who had a defense that was already a decent team, uh, I think immediately, in my opinion, kind of ups their value in terms of like what, what their playoff output could be. Yeah. I, I think going along in that same vein, uh, the Ravens, you know, <laughs> a lot of Ravens fans on social media were upset that they didn't get a pass catcher like Brandon cooks, for example, but, um, shout out New England. <laughs> I know. Right. One thing that people have always lambasted the Ravens for make it to the playoffs collapsing. Sometimes it has to do with, you know, at the end of the season defensively, you're just not able to stop them from scoring points. And maybe, you know, your bag of tricks is not that deep and, you know, out in the first round you go. They pick up Jason Pierre-Paul, the Ravens do. Then they get Roquan Smith from the Bears. Fantastic. They get another guy to go up with Calais Campbell. They already have Patrick Queen, who is the second best linebacker out of his draft class behind Jordan Brooks from Seattle. Mm. Okay. That's just that's just facts, right? And now they bring in Roquan, and they get a, a guy like JPP, who has proven when he was on the Bucks that he can still produce. 
So like the defense is clearly saying, listen, Lamar, we're going to get you that ball back. We're going to get back to you probably a lot. If we can get home, start winning some of these games, 30, you know, to 30 to 20. Like we don't need to be on the field. This like save us for the postseason when you need us. <laughs> you know, go do your run in, throw it to Isaiah Likely or Mark Andrews or Devin Duvernay, gas their defense out, but let us pin our ears back, read the play, get an interception, sack the quarterback, strip sack, get a fumble, whatever. We're going to give you the ball back, Lamar, and you take six minutes off the clock so we don't have to be in the field for six minutes corresponding. Mm. And quite frankly, um, I, I like it. I, I think if you watch the Monday night game between yeah. the Browns and the Bengals, how painful that was to just realize that like the Steelers are stumbling at the moment. The Bengals, whom we thought, oh shit, they they sort up their offensive line. They might go ahead and actually, you know, be decent this season. That's really shaky right now. The Browns, eh, they're, the, they're gonna be the Browns. So the Ravens said, listen, we need to make a big fucking move and we need to go ahead and separate ourselves for down the line. They're they're automatically better by bringing in JPP and Roquan Smith. But where they're automatically going, I think, is the postseason. And I don't think, like, wild card, losing the division round. I think, like, going to win the division round, possibly playing in, in the AFC Championship. That's what, that's what I think their ceiling is at the moment, hmm. that they're going to make it there if they can get this team to gel. And I, I think that's what you have to do at the trade deadline. You, you have to say, fuck them picks and just... <laughs> Swing for the fences sometimes. And and I don't I don't hate it at all. And I think that Baltimore, having been in that stadium, seeing games played there, they're they're bubbling. They're like, uh, yeah. but you, you ask the casual fan, they don't really know if they want Lamar or not as their quarterback of the future. It's like <laughs> Yeah. You want well, you want I, Zach Wilson instead? Like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I think it's because they've kind of seen that team bubbling for like years now. And I have to say, I gotta I have to kind of not not side with them, but I kind of see what they're what they're saying. Only because, like, how many years have we been saying Lamar Jackson is one of the better quarterbacks? Whether whether or not we can say it's the team and the roster around him that's holding them back, but there's clearly something that's holding them back. And I've already beaten this dead horse several times, where I think a, a mobile running quarterback and their longevity is limited right. in this league, especially as teams start to kind of figure out now. He's had some injuries over the last few seasons. This season right now, he looks phenomenal and, and, and is able to move and do whatever he needs to do, which makes him, you know, a similar style threat as, like, uh, the, the Chiefs are. Um, but again, like, how much bubbling are you going to take before it's time for some kind of change? Do I think Lamar is going to be the change? No. Do I agree with Tom Brady that he's the next face of the league? Also, no. But I think that I think that there's a lot of potential in that team to really kind of push forward if they made just a couple moves, like give him a star quarter, uh, uh, not a star quarterback, uh, a star receiver, yeah. maybe shore up some of the, uh, the edge rushers kind of like Miami did. And I think then you kind of, you, you, you open up your, your potential a little bit. So I agree. The ceiling is very high for that team every year. I think it's high, but it feels like with some of these moves, it's gotten even better. I, I, I just like it. I think like, the, you know, if we're going to have a record 10 trades process in that day, um, you can be upset that your team didn't make any moves. Yeah. But you can you can also appreciate the two teams, like the Dolphins and the Ravens, just said, yeah. uh, offensively, I think we're okay. You know what we need to do? We need to get an embarrassment of Rexes on the other side of the ball. All yeah. right, cool. Go do that and see what happens. <laughs> I, mean, you know my, what I mean, Miami is uh, sixth in the league in terms of like defensive uh, rushing yards per game. Yeah. Uh, but passing-wise, they're 
26th in the league. So you add a, a top tier edge rusher and you kind of bring that up to maybe like middle of the package. And then suddenly it's an entirely different looking team when, when now you're giving the ball to the offensive side a little bit more and, you know, holding, holding, you know, with this, a few yards. you know, this reminds me of the slugfest that we saw between the chiefs and the bills in the last postseason. defenses that were good going in. Right. But they just, for whatever reason, otherworldly play by the quarterbacks, right? But at the oh. end, the defense that had more legs happened to outlast, right? They got the ball back for their offense. The offense goes down, you know, wins the game. That's that's what this reminds me of. In the AFC, could I theorize the Ravens facing the Dolphins for the championship? I could theorize it. I need, I need to see it, right? On paper, oh, yeah. You could write about it all day. It would be cool to, to think about, but you're just completely sidelining the Bills so and the Chiefs. So, you know what I mean? Like, there'd have to be a lot of great football, but it could happen. So, like, teams deciding we're going to throw caution to the wind, especially on a defensive side. Yeah, yeah, all about it. I think that's great. And uh, honorable mention to uh, the Bears. We got Nikhil Harry uh, before the season and then added Chase Claypool. Yeah. Uh, at the trade deadline, and after we just talked about with the Bears kind of being a, a team that looks like they could be flirting with some success, two big yeah. weapons like that could really change the dynamic if, if Fields is able to kind of set himself and continue progressing in the right direction. I think this is that that could be enough of a of a potential shift in weaponry to to get the Bears over that hump that we were just talking about. So. Yeah, so you know the the battle of Pennsylvania just happened with like the Eagles and the Steelers, right? Yep. And the Eagles just ran, you know, AJ Brown on go routes for three touchdowns, and they yep. just kept running the play because the the Steelers couldn't defend it. Like you have Claypool, you have Harry, a guy that wants to like prove himself. Like Fields is still a running threat. They have a decent running game. Like Cole Komet caught his first touchdown of of you know so I think since like twenty twenty. So like the the game is beginning to come together. Matt Eberflus is doing a pretty good job there in Chicago. So like I could envision the Bears kind of being a thorny pick and that's why if we if we're talking about week 9 games, I'm mm-hmm. looking to the Dolphins Bears as my first game to pick, right? Yep. Um I think the Dolphins retool defense a little bit, but they're still wanting to just beat you with their speed, gas you out. Um and I think, I mean, Tua was talking a little shit today, you know, on social media. There was a clip of him answering some questions. He's like, I think I've gotten, you know, a lot better at the deep ball because a lot of people think that's what he struggles with. And they said, oh, you've, I mean, I'm, we've, we've even talked about it. Like, you know, some of the social media clips showing that yeah. he like overthrew or underthrew like Tyreek. Like, uh, it's happened in games, but it's not happened enough times where they lose games. Right. right. So, he's like, is- you know, my accuracy is getting there and, and I can, I can respect it. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, like he's made some some pretty good throws yeah. uh, as of late, and in games where they're winning, they're they're putting up some pretty solid numbers. He's still floating around like the seventy percent percentage rate in terms of completion. So you know, obviously, want to see a little bit more improvement there. But he's doing a great job taking care of the ball. He's only got three interceptions over twelve touchdowns. So I think giving him a little confidence to know that if he goes out and he makes some of these gambles and they fall short, his defense can now come in and and give them an opportunity to get the ball back. It might kind of open that up a little bit to allow for, for maybe some more of these deep balls to get out there. So, And that's why I'm going to go Dolphins in this game. I don't know about you, but yeah, I, I just sort of feel like 
the Bears are tooling it together, but they're not quite there yet. So I yeah, think this I is a good step forward for them. It's a good test to see. You bring some new offensive pieces in, but can you protect up front? Because I have a feeling that you're going to be running two go routes trying to vacate the middle and the back half of the defense, but you're getting every running back and tight end in that formation to chip and stop Bradley Chubb and the rest of that Miami defense yep. coming after you. You know, what Yeah, I mean? and I mean, it's going to take, uh, you know, you'd like to think you can just plug a player in and have instant success, which they may, but it's going to take a little bit for them to get on the same page with Claypool and, and working him into that team. So sure. I'm, going, sure. uh, I'm going Miami as well. Ah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> At least you'll get one point next week. Um, oh, shit. We're also also both picking the Bills and Bills and Jets. Like, hmm. look, the Bills systematically destroyed the Packers more yeah. and more as that game went on Sunday night. Yeah. They also got Naheem Hines on the trade deadline. And even Frank Reich was like, if I was in fantasy, I'd draft Naheem Hines because he's a pass catcher running back. And that yeah. is one of the only things I think that you could say Buffalo doesn't have going for them. Singletary is between the tackles. You don't need to throw to a running back because you have Gabe Davis, you have Stephon Diggs, you have Dawson Knox, and you have uh, six foot seven Josh Allen, who just is a runaway Buffalo. So, yep. do you really need that wheel route percentage? Do you really need someone as a running back to just chip and then go out and sell a route and then maybe catch something if if you have to break the pocket? I would say no, but this is something that the Bills are saying. Look. We think this is a weakness for us, and we think we can get better. And if a team self-scouts it and says this is our weakness, we're going to fix it, then you don't get to use it against them. And I think that's really helpful for them this season. I was I started about saying visionary, but I was like, fuck, we don't even know if it's going to work. So like, <laughs> let's pump the brakes on whether it's going to be great or not. I do think this helps the Bills. I'll be interested to see how much he plays this week. He's going to get you know acclimated to the playbook. This is another good move for them later on. That being said, I mean, the Jets, like, couldn't even keep it together against the New England Patriots. They had a chance to end a 20 game streak of losing to them. And they started close. And it's like that, what that progressive commercial or that uh, Geico commercial, where it's like the old guy with the, with the dollar bill. He's like, Oh, you almost got it. You gotta be faster. Like they just fell asleep at the wheel. And then let the Patriots back into that game. Like Nick full kicking all those field goals, you know, Wilson throwing all those picks. Like, I wanted more from them. I really did. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's really difficult. I mean, as much as I want to just write out the Jets for being the Jets, unfortunately, there are they're still five and three teams. So, like, right. it is there, and Zach Wilson has done a pretty good job taking care of the ball up until this game. But, man, the Bills are just... Beginning of the season, I said that they were my favorites to... I think, I think we even are on record saying that I thought the Bills were my favorite yep. to, to win the Super Bowl. Yep. They're six and one right now. If we're looking at the way this this team matches up, I mean, this is absurd. Uh, Buffalo is uh, second in points scored per game, averaging twenty nine points per game. They are first in points allowed per game. They only allow fourteen points per game on average. Uh, the takeaway differential is a plus two. They're eighth there. Passing yards per game, they're first in the league at three hundred seven yards. Rushing yards per game. They're 14th. This is where it gets even crazier. We've seen a bunch of teams that are great offensively, but maybe not so much defensively, or great defensively, but they're kind of middle of the pack. Defensive passing yards per game, they're ninth in the league at 202 yards. And defensive rushing yards per game, they're fourth in the league. So this is such a well-rounded team from top to bottom on both sides of the ball. 
that as far as I'm concerned, this is their year to give up, right? I think they have, uh, I think they have nothing but upside adding another running back to that mix to help kind of move that along is only going to make this team like a bigger favorite in my opinion uh and i mean if we're looking at what their schedule is they got a pretty easy run for the next few games they got the jets yep. which i would say arguably i don't know if i would call that an easy game vikings uh i would i would venture is probably borderline unexpected win but then it's the browns the lions we got the patriots which you know could play upset at any point then they're back at the jets and they have the dolphins bears Bengals, and then the patriots again so they don't have the toughest schedule to round out this season i know it's difficult when you play this when you play a team twice in uh any season it's very difficult to go out and put up two back-to-back -back game plans against the team that you know has the same level of success so do I expect them to not lose another game between here and the end of the, the regular season? No. But do I think they're going to lose a lot of those? No. I'd be shocked if they lost more than maybe two of those games. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely are setting themselves up to be the number one seed uh, in the AFC. And, I, I'm, hey, you, you open up a can of whoop pass on teams and, and you start to distance yourself, you, I completely get it. Last <laughs> yeah. game I'm going to pick this week, Panthers-Bengals. The reason why I'm doing this is not because it's a big cat battle, but because there's so much chatter right now that the Bengals can't do shit without Jamar Chase. I, I, I agree. agree that they, <laughs> they, their offense is garbage at the moment. Yeah. And I agree that, that chase clears out certain defensive formations and does make the game much easier. Um, him having hip issues and maybe going on IR, maybe not. And then them not going to get a guy like Brandon cooks, for example, I struggle with that a little bit. You know what I mean? I just feel like you, you have some capital. Yeah, he's getting paid a lot of money. You, you, you probably could have gone and done it. And then then you got to figure out how to get two go routes, just like what the Bears are possibly working towards. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Higgins, Boyd, like Hurst. You, you got all the stuff that you need there. But Joe Mixon could not get anything going against the Browns. Yeah. The receivers couldn't get separation against the Browns. And in a lot of games this year, the Bengals have had to rely on fucking Jamar down there somewhere energy yeah. to get themselves to a point where they could win the game. Um, I mean, the guy I has just, uh, 100 more yards sucks. than the next guy on the team. Yeah. Uh, he has a, 605 yards on the season. And, so he, uh, he can miss another game and still be the leading receiver if, yeah. if their offense can't get it together. You know, that, 40, that doesn't bode well for them. No, and he's got 24 more targets than T Higgins, which is the next guy on the roster. So, I mean, that's, that is a huge weapon because then the, the difference between T Higgins and everybody below that starts to separate quite a bit more. <laughs> uh, with Tyler Boyd coming in kind of close to where the T Higgins line is, almost almost on the nose. Uh, but, like, you're, you're balancing a team with those three weapons and now you only have two of those weapons and it's going mm -hmm. to very quickly get exposed because once you go beyond Tyler Boyd, you have Hayden Hurst who has the same amount of targets and the same amount of receptions as Tyler Boyd, but it's only 268 yards. So the efficiency yeah, he, is not there. It's literally half with the same amount of targets as Boyd, 
basically half the yardage, who then is a hundred yards still behind Jamar Chase. So it, it, it just makes will you wonder, like, yeah, it just makes you wonder, like, what what they're doing, right? And and that's why I'm picking the Bengals in this game. This is a must win game. The Panthers just went to overtime last week on a sixty seven yard like bomb from PJ Walker, who's yeah. an XFL quarterback, and they connected. And then they got a stupid penalty because they took the helmet off because they thought the game was over like the Minnesota miracle, right? Um, and then they couldn't get it done in OT. They ran out of gas. The Panthers are a very fucking feisty team. They're a team that is terrible, but feisty. on terrible on paper. But Deonta yeah. Foreman, a lot of juice for that team. PJ Walker, a lot of juice for that team. Not a lot of tape. Coach, fired, interim coach, a lot of hoopsha behind him. You know what I mean? So like, this is definitely a trap game for the Bengals. And if they don't win this game, they can kiss the postseason goodbye because they're already kind of slipping, but like they just have to put it together and they have the talent to be able to do it. But Burroughs get sacked and thrown around. None of the routes are being able to develop. And like when Samaja P. Ryan gets more going than Joe Mixon, I mean, I, I had this thing back and forth with my friend Austin because he thinks that Joe Mixon is like a top five RB. I'm like, yeah, he's top five, but he's, He's not five. He's he's like six. You know, <laughs> the thing is like, well, should he be four or three? I'm like, no, he's not that. Like, I don't, I don't want to say he's like top 10. And, and that's just based off of the eye test. Seeing how they can't get a lot of offense going, it's just kind of really frustrating. And I just feel like the Bengals have to look themselves in the mirror and just sort of realize that like, now is the time. Put the hammer down and start playing the football, the brand of football that you want to play. Because if you don't, the season is over. Your head coach is probably going to get fired. And then there's going to be so much dysfunction, i.e. so much more for your young quarterback to shoulder the load on. And then you start talking about, oh, maybe we don't need Joe Burrow. Maybe we should trade Jamar Chase and get some draft picks. Maybe we should reload for next year. And once that shit starts to permeate an organization, it's toxic. Yep. You can't get it out. You either have to lance it and just like remove it, as in <laughs> get rid of the people who are saying that, or you do have to give into the trade rumors and then just trade people away like how the Denver Broncos were like well it doesn't matter that we're our record is what it is like we were going to trade Bradley Chubb anyways like no you weren't no you weren't you realize I mean, you needed to win now and by win now you mean next season <laughs> and I mean they're going to end up looking like the Panthers who got rid of what is arguably their best player on that team granted injury prone sure why yeah. not but you got him and Baker just chewing up uh completely chewing up financial real estate on that team and they have nothing to show for it. So, yep. All right. I, agree. Uh, <clears throat> I tried this week not to go with easy games, which is why I went with the picks I did. And the last one I'm going to go with is chiefs and Titans. And this one is a little bit of an uncomfortable one for me because my gut keeps telling me to go Titans, but I'm, hmm. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to go Chiefs just because the way these teams stack up, I think it's the it's the Chiefs who are going to be able to take advantage of it, even though their run defense is by far uh, their biggest gap on the entire team, and you're going up against a team who has someone like Derrick Henry, who, when given the opportunity to expose some <clears throat> some vulnerabilities like that, does so in a very very big way. Um, it's difficult to, to go against Kansas City even though I've been saying Kansas City I feel like teams are starting to figure it out both of these teams are 5-2 and two, so <clears throat> I feel like you know I could be way wrong but I feel like this is one of those that could potentially 
be closer than what we think it's going to be. I mean, the two quarterbacks aren't even close. I'm not trying to compare the two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Tannehill has, get this, he has 95 uh, completions out of 146 attempts for 1,097 yards and six touchdowns. Okay. Patrick Mahomes has 176 completions, literally twice the amount on 263 attempts for 2,159 yards and 20 touchdowns. So he has 1,000 yards and 14 more touchdowns uh, on, on, on his season. But the, the pass defense, the pass defense for Tennessee is going to be their biggest trouble. And I think that's where things are going to kind of get exposed a little bit. Uh, but these teams rushing wise are, are two and three. But I don't see Kansas City as a huge rushing threat as of late. They're uh they're twenty third in the league in terms of uh average yards per game versus Tennessee who's uh ninth in the league. So there's some there's some gaps here when you start looking at these two teams as they match up. I don't think the defense for Tennessee has the ability to contain Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, you know what? I said I thought this. I think this is going to be a close one for like three quarters of the game, and then I think their defense is just going to get tired, and this has a chance to kind of get out of hand towards the the tail end of the fourth quarter. But I do think it'll be competitive at least for a little bit. The Titans are, are surprising me a little bit in terms of what they've been able to do against some of these teams. I don't think they past the eye test in terms of like how good they look to be a five and two team. Uh, but the healthy Henry is really, really, really difficult to argue against. So <laughs> a healthy Henry. <laughs> a healthy Henry. All right. Well, that, that brings us to this. We're about halfway through the season. So like who is your clear postseason favorite right now? Just pick one team in the league and you think they're going to make it, whether it's a wild card or uh you well, know, I, 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 I mean, I'll be clear. I, I think the, the Bills are going to win the whole thing. But I, if I'm going for like a team that's going to make it, that might be a surprise. I think, I think we're going to see a Jets playoff berth. And I don't think it's going to be like a wild card berth. Uh, I mean, I, I mean. Uh, you mean like wild card as in like we're traveling to a place. You mean like wild card, like we're hosting a wild card. for? Example. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those where they're not like getting in because of circumstance. I think it'll be. They've earned their way into it. I think the Bills are obviously the, the team that's going to take the, the division and then ultimately take the, the bowl game as a whole. But I think the Jets, previously when, when the Jets have been considered for postseason, it's because they're like the best of the worst and they just happen to have a better losing record than like another team. I think this is legitimately going to be one where they play themselves into a position where they're actually competing for, an, uh, for a championship. But uh, I mean, I, I think all the teams are going to fall fall short of uh, of Buffalo, and, at least in this season. Yeah, um, I'm keeping in that same vein. I'm going to take another another New York team. I'm going to go to the Giants. Um, there's been a lot of dysfunction, right? But up until this point in the season, they've sort of tried to get a lot of that bad juju out, and I really appreciate it. They're six and two right now. Okay, next game against the Texans, they should win that. That's seven and two. Thanksgiving, play the Lions. That's eight and two. Next week, they'll play the Cowboys. Eight and three. I think they're going to lose that game because I think the Cowboys are a better team objectively right now. Next week, division game. 
Commanders, they're going to win that game. So now we're nine and three. Week after that, they're playing the Eagles. Mid-December playing the Eagles. They're going to lose that game. Nine and four. They play the Commanders again, which they're going to get another dub. Ten and four. They play the, the Vikings, whom late season, we don't know what we're going to see yet. I think that game could go either way. So you could go 11 and four. You could go 10 and five. Then they get the Colts and the Eagles to round out the season. At worst, I think this team is a 10 and 16, which means playoffs, especially with the expanded format. And I think that the Giants just have to steady the ship right now. Yeah, we lost the game. We got beat up. Our special teams was ass. We need to fix that because they have a, just a, a string of division games and they need to try and split the series against the Cowboys and the Eagles, if at all possible. Make that in there. Maybe face another team that the wild card weekend and not have to face one of your divisional opponents. Let some other team beat them up and then try and come in, you know, after the wild card round in the divisional and do something like, I think the Giants would have to have a catastrophic collapse to not make the postseason at this point. Yeah. How about teams uh, you think are going to miss it? That otherwise we thought going into the season uh, would have been there. The Las Vegas Raiders are not going to make the postseason. Ooh, I, I've been okay. like teetering on it. I've said like, oh, I think they could not make it. But like, I'm calling it. You're not making the postseason. You have five losses at this point. You don't even put up a single point against the Saints with Andy Dalton. You don't pick up a single point. And Seattle barely lost to them. So you're not beating them. You're not beating a lot of other teams in the league. It's hard to disassociate from this whole, maybe McDaniels isn't a coach thing, because you know he can scheme tons of points up. He did it for Super Bowl winning teams. Why is a team that just needed a all-world separating wide receiver, why are they not able to get things going? I mean, you talked earlier about you know, Travis Kelsey being the linchpin for the Chiefs, like Darren Waller's been injured. There's not really been a whole lot going on whenever um, the run game isn't like super going strong, like Super Saiyan. There's just nothing there. And I get that Adams was like recovering from the flu. It wasn't 100%, but like two targets. Like <laughs> just not, just like you, you just couldn't, you couldn't connect with them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this team should have been so much more. Chandler Jones in the defense. This team should have been so much more great special teams. This team should have been so much more. I'm just going to keep saying it because we really bought into the bullshit this year. Didn't we? We really thought the Raiders were going to show us something different. And I, I don't know if there's an organizational thing they have to fix or change, but like there's something fundamentally wrong with the Raiders. And I just don't see them. Even if they were to go on a late, a late season surge, I don't see them making the postseason. Right. Uh, for me, it's going to be the Rams, which has been super surprising. That's a bold pick, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I think there's really no way around it. I mean, they're three and four so far this season. Are they a team that's constantly uh, at risk of like quickly turning that around? Sure, but I'm not seeing that, and I'm not feeling it. But I think. I think this is a team that is destined for some pretty tough uh, end-of-season games. I mean, Bucks, Cards, Saints, Chiefs, Seahawks, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, uh, Chargers, and then Seahawks again. So, not the hardest schedule, but they got quite a few games in there that I would, I would consider 
not in their favor based off of how they've been playing up until this point. Like, I would track the Kansas City one up as a loss. I'd go so far as to say maybe even the Bucks game could be a loss. The Seahawks game could be a toss-up and potentially a loss. If Green Bay puts their shit together, <clears throat> that's another loss. And now we're up to, what, seven, eight losses on the season? I mean, after after the expectations they set for themselves coming into yeah. this season, they're not living up to that hype. Not at all. So, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think for me, in, in the way they've been playing, I, I think it's clear that they will not be in the playoffs this season. I think the Bucks, who are 3-5, and five, stand a better chance of, of sneaking in than, uh, than the Rams do. Have we seen a precipitous fall from a Super Bowl champion to not making the playoffs like this in recent years? Um, I, may be, I may be missing it, but like, let's think about this. Like the Patriots in like, you know, 2018, right? Made yeah. The playoffs. Let's see. Lost in the playoffs to the, the Titans, right? That was the end of the, or the 2019, right? They lost in the divisional round. That was the, the mm-hmm. beginning of the end for Tom Brady. Like Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. Go back the next year, losing the playoffs, but like they make it to the playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the the theory is like if you have that much talent to get there, the next season, you should also get there most of the way and just tweak a couple things. Especially if if you bring the same team back, you should be okay. Yeah. And I think another team that might not make the you know the playoffs is probably the Bucks. But like you said, they have they just they haven't figured it out. Like there is just <laughs> mm-hmm. something that is not there in the defense and the offense with Los Angeles which for a Super Bowl champion is just a little weird at the moment. Just a little weird. Hmm. I'm trying to look and see what uh, what some teams were. The 2013 Patriots. Uh, although, that's it's tough. The Patri- Let's just nix the Patriots because a losing season for the Patriots is like an AFC championship loss. What happened in, in 13? That was when they lost to the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. but they... they uh, the Ravens were going to defeat the 49ers. The Patriots lost the AFC title game in 2013. Yeah. So, like, that's not a... That was the year the Seattle... That's not a best of worst. destroyed the Broncos. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The 2013 Niners, which means 2014, they fell off. Broncos, I'm trying to see. The Seahawks? Ooh, no, wait. they made it back-to-back years. You know what I mean? In and then after that, they, they made the playoffs every single year after that. I'm looking at the first uh, time I didn't make the playoffs in like yeah. I think 19 or 20. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the um, an article on CBS Sports. I'll, I'll just read it to you real quick. The 2015 statistically, the Seahawks who won the Super Bowl in, in 13 before losing a classic to the Patriots the following season were even better in 2005. While their defense led Richard Sherman was ranked the first in the league for a third straight year. The offense, led by Russell Wilson, finished fourth in the NFL scoring after being 10th and 8th in the department in previous years. But after edging the Vikings on the road in the wild card round, Seattle blasted by the Panthers, who Destroyed went 15-1 during the regular season in the division round after allowing 59 yards in the first play but of they, scrimmage. But they still made the playoffs, right? right? Hold on. You know what I mean? Was, yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to get through the whole thing. Ultimately fell. Let me see chance for the... I think this might just be a bogus article. While Wilson continued to develop to a top-tier quarterback, Seattle would fall again and eventually NFC champion in, in 2016 playoffs before missing the playoffs altogether. While the Seahawks rebounded, yeah, in 2017, while the Seahawks rebounded with three consecutive playoff appearances, 
they have not advanced past the divisional round since 2014. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is just... All right, I thought this article was going to be more clear than that. No. I appreciate all the Seattle Seahawks content. I fucking love it. Let's let's go. But yeah, but there there are just teams that like, again, you're a a Super Bowl team. You expect that you're going to get back there most of the way if you keep the team the same. And I just feel like I I would have to agree with you. And I'm not even trying to put the bad juju out there just because I'm a Seahawks fan and um, hashtag and Gino we trust, okay? (laughs) Hashtag Gino don't rust. If we're if we're fucking oh hashtag let God. Russ cook hashtag Gino don't rust okay it's gonna happen it's gonna happen I'm putting it as the hashtag Here in goes. this episode let's ride <laughs> <laughs> hey hey I don't I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the Denver Broncos anymore for my for my football fandom All right. I can, I can be confident with my oh, own team I see how it is Seattle's got a little bit of success and you forgot Russell Wilson exists. Uh, How cringy. Does. Okay, can you now agree? Right. Okay, Tim, that he is you know, very should, should I end this episode by doing high knees out of here? Yeah. How cringeworthy has that man become? Um, it's not how, how he's become. And I, again, shout out to me in the comments, but you could ask her this. Yeah. Um, when you see him in the cafeteria, there he's always been authentically himself. He's always he's always done these things. He's always said these things. It's just who he is, right? Authentically if he didn't himself do it, and he was such like, a cop out. If if he was just if he if he just suddenly never did any of this stuff, I'd be a little worried. I'd be like, "Yo, he and Sierra about to get a divorce. Like, what's going on here?" You know what I mean? Like, for Russ to land and be like, "Oh, everything's fantastic." There's an eight hour flight. I did high knees for four hours. You're like, Russ, what the fuck? Why would you say that? Just like, just keep this shit to yourself, dude. But that's that's Russ. That's just the way he is. And it's, and it's just weird, man. You have to admit that in that in that London game, there's a little bit of Russ magic coming back. So maybe the high knees was what got it. You know. Stepping into high gear. First of all, there's zero possibility that man did knee highs for eight hours. Not uh, a chance. N- well, the, at least half the flight. Yes, because when he, in, in 16 or 17, when he got a knee sprain and an ankle injury, that man did, and he boasted about this, he did recovery every four hours throughout the night, and he said that he had to sleep in another room or something like that because like, he had to keep waking Sierra up because he was going out to do like physical therapy and shit like russ he, he's i'm not buying different. It. i'm not he's buying just different it, in that way i'm not he's buying different. it he's always he's just always gonna say this stuff this is why you can't look at all the spawn con that goes up of him like doing fake huddles and mentally getting his like you know his his, his game going like on the field before there are even players out there or like listening to his bows nose canceling headphones listening to gospel music on michael jackson and not singing everyone's like let's put a camera on russ no don't don't do that because we know exactly what russ is gonna do russ is gonna be russ there's no, That's, there's no point. No, not a zero chance. Like the awkwardness of him, like sitting on the goal line, pretending. <laughs> I know. Go ahead, do per, it, Tim. Pretending to be in a Hashtag huddle. Gino don't rust. Pretending Hashtag to be Gino in a huddle, rust. break the huddle, and then go up and call your fake play is such. I, dude, I don't. I don't, I don't even I don't know, know how to. Do, like it's not. We can't say he's going through the progression of the first 10 plays because everyone has their 10 plays mapped out because then all it would take is someone sitting on the sidelines listening to him calling the plays and just being like, okay. Run a pass. Run a pass. Let him know. Let him know. Run a pass. And literally could just document the first 10 plays. It's just, dude, it's the worst. Okay. So so you you mentioned earlier about the postseason stuff and you're reading about that season where they barely outlasted the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to challenge you. You gave me homework a couple episodes ago. And I'm going to challenge you on this one. Go back and watch the NFL films clip from that game 
when the Seattle Seahawks beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, when there was still out outdoors and it was like fucking negative 20, mm-hmm. the mic'd up segment from that game with the Seahawks players and the, and the Vikings players is so good. It's so good. And it, and it shows you why Russ is categorically who Russ is and how he's unflappable. He just doesn't change. So like in the same way that like Trump, like never changes behavior for anyone, Russ is not going to change his behavior. There's no point in doing anything and complaining about it. Just don't double click on the content when everyone throws it out there. That's just what you got to do. You just got to just scroll by it and keep going. All right. All right. Real quick. Before we head out, two quick shout outs. Yeah. Boston Bruins, baby. Dude, nine, nine and one, right? Nine and one. Just like with a just had, it, had it a crazy good like. They're on a out, six like, game win streak. Uh, OT. OT, too. They were down big against that game last night. And then they came back and then won an OT. Fucking love to see it. They got 18 points on the season. Like, shit is looking groovy. Uh, second shout out. Phillies. Let's go. Uh, I would say, as a baseball fan, awesome. As a fan of history, every time the Phillies have won the World Series, the market's crashed. So for all of our wallets, I love you, Phillies. Next year, please. Or <laughs> fucking 20 years from now. Like, this, this, we'll just get the Astros on and put an asterisk next to it. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, good, good for them. Absolutely good yep. for them. Uh, I'm, pu- I'm pulling for them because, uh, like I said before, the Astros are on a very short list of teams. I would rather see lose more than the Yankees. So, uh, fuck those guys. Those <laughs> bunch of bitches. Uh, All right. Yeah. Well, let let me give one thing before we go out here. Uh, this is this is this was a massive news today, and followed up by other massive news that the owner of the Washington Commanders, Dan Snyder, released uh, a statement this morning saying they're, with, they're working with the Bank of America to see like all available options they have available to them. And you're yeah. like, holy shit, he might actually sell a team. We've been trying to say, get sell a team to Bezos this entire time. And you go, wait a fucking minute here. And then the worldwide leader broke a few hours later that the Eastern District of Virginia is <laughs> opening a criminal investigation <laughs> to money and unfair business practices into the team. And you go, oh, makes sense. They can't sue you if you don't own the team anymore. And you're just like, what do Commanders fans need to do to just like, you know, you there's always that thing about like, well, Packers fans own part of the franchise, even though they're not yeah. voting members. Like at this point, don't give Bezos the team. Fucking sell the team to Commanders fans. Yep. And then they have a voice. They're 51% of the owner's shares, and they can decide what this $1.2 billion franchise is going to do. That's what we should do at this point, because Snyder, every time he does something and you're just like, oh, I don't feel I don't feel a good way about this. There's yeah. some other shit that comes out like two hours later, and you're like, I fucking don't like you even less than I liked you before. Like, yeah. 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 Damn, they need to, I feel bad for Commanders fans. I feel bad for him, but... Uh, that will do it for this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. We yeah. all thank you very much for listening. Shout out to the Phillies. Beat the Astros. And hopefully break the curse and don't have the market crash. That would be great. Shout yeah. out to the Kimes. They're Shout down, out to Ikee with his wedding this weekend. Congratulations. Uh, they're down 5 nothing right now, so it's not looking so great for tonight. Oh, the Phillies? Yeah, so I think it's yeah, going to well, go 2-2 on the season. The Phillies are leading the series right now. Uh, so shout out to Michael to- Hong, who is... Uh, is it the executive editor? He's one of the, uh, he's like the the highest holding editor position for all Asian Americans. He works for the Philly Inquirer. Got to sit and watch the uh, the Phillies game with him last week, and uh, he loses my talent. Saw him again on uh, on Halloween. A former 
uh, ESPNer. But shout out to him. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this all goes his way. Uh, I'll be hanging out with him. Well, I won't be if they go to the uh, if they go game seven. He'll be in Philly to see it go live. But you know, still pulling for the guy. Well, I wouldn't even man at game seven in Philly. You yeah. know what I mean? If he needs, all a, those poles if up, he needs a tech guy, book. if he needs a tech guy, I'm, I'm there for him. We'll only do some work with it. <laughs> all right, everybody. Peace. Peace.